Hey everybody, welcome to Thumbnail, a visual arts podcast. I'm Joe Roshert, illustrator, animator, and adjunct professor. And I'm Louis Rosignol, visual artist, and we have Max Irwin with us today again. And we're going to be doing this episode all about pet peeves and what irritates us about the art world in general and maybe things that irritated us when we were going to art school and other things. I'm not sure what you guys have planned for your pet peeves. I don't want to come across like a podcast where we're just sitting here complaining for like an hour, which kind of it is like that, but let's try to be as positive as possible while we're being (laughs) negative. (laughs) I mean, there's nothing wrong with a little like venting, you know, everybody's annoyed about something. That's okay. I'm sure people are annoyed about things I've done. I'm positive of it. I hope they complain about it. You know, I hope they don't bottle that up. (laughs) (laughs) It's healthy to release. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I know some of my pet peeves, though, are things that people have done on social media. They might listen to this and be like, oops, he's talking about me. (laughs) But that's why I'm going to do it in the nicest way possible, because I realize that it's a pet peeve of mine, but it's not like they're really doing anything wrong. They just don't know that it's annoying and it's probably annoying to other artists. So that's what I mean. I'm going to try to phrase it in the nicest way possible. I'm going to start with the first one, which is something that people will DM me sometimes because I do a lot of commission work that isn't for like professional clients. It's just for people in general. They want maybe a portrait done or that type of commission. I get so many DMs that just say, how much for a commission? That's it. They don't give me any details. It's like going into a bakery and saying, how much for a wedding cake without telling them how many people it has to feed or how many tiers, you know? I'm just supposed to know what they're looking for. It's even more broad than that, though. It's it's like going into a bakery and saying, how much for baked goods? <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> which ones and how many? What do you mean by that? Right. How much for a car? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, basically... <laughs> Yeah. Do you want five inch by five inch sketch or are you looking for a three foot by four foot giant mixed media piece? Yeah. Like a huge difference in price. And not to mention the fact that I also have price differences if they are looking for something that they want to use for a CD cover or professional. Is it something you're just going to hang on your wall or is it something you're using for reproducing? So there's just so many different variables that go into it. So yeah, that is frustrating. Yeah, this kind of feeds into one of mine that I had written down too. So I want to ask, are those also the people who you never hear back from when you respond and you're like, hey, that's a little vague. I need a little more information before I can give you a quote. What are you looking for? Are those the people who generally you're just, okay, well, I'm never going to hear from you again. Or do they kind of follow up? I'd say most of them, yeah, you don't hear from them again. I'll message them and say, I need more info. I'm happy to give you a quote, but I need to know what the piece is for subject matter, the size, when you need it by. And here's my email. If you want to email me all of those things, I can give you a quote that's closer to realistic or whatever. Here's the positive spin around that. Mm -hmm. I think people just don't know, right? And so they're honestly asking because they would truly want your work, but they really don't understand one, what goes into it and two, how much art costs. This is sometimes their first experience dealing with this. Right. No, that's exactly right. That's why I want to say If someone does that, it irritates me, but it doesn't make me think badly about the person. Right. Because so many people do it that I understand that they just have never bought a commissioned piece of art before. Right. But I mean, we were just talking about going into a car dealership and saying how much for a car. The first time I went into a car dealership and bought a car, the only time I have, um, 
you know, they were very sweet about it. But also, I wouldn't blame any of those salespeople if when I left, they were like, oh, man, I hate dealing with people who just have never done this before. It's just like, (laughs) you know, because that's fine. That doesn't reflect badly on me. That doesn't make them a bad person because they've been working all day. And they're like, oh, I hate when people ask this. So I don't think there's anything wrong with it being a little bit annoying. But there's also, as you said, Joe, it's their first time doing it. Hopefully next time they feel a little more confident about being like, hey, here's what I'm looking for. Are you the person I should be talking to, you know? Right. It's a little tricky when you're doing something that you love to do. And so to a lot of people, that might not be defined as work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even if the age old saying, well, I'll never have to work a day in my life if I'm doing something I love. Well, we are doing something we love, but we are working yeah. to do that. And so sometimes people will have an assumption that that's free. Yeah. I mean, and, right. you know, obviously like, the whole exposure thing works the same way. I don't even think that is necessarily people trying to take advantage ever either. I think it's people who just don't understand the daily working order of like an illustrator or a designer or something. And again, they don't do it. So that, that's or just they don't understand the value of their real exposure. Yeah, we'll have exposure to what our church group. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Your circle of friends that you talk to that I don't know, mm-hmm. amount to 50 people. Right. There is a scale, there's a tipping point where I could potentially do something for the right exposure. Yeah, totally. If Juxtapose Magazine wanted me to do something for free, I would do it now. I would hang up this podcast and I would go and do it gladly. I would be psyched about that. But guess what? They but don't then, ask for then, things like that. And they also won't ask for something for free. Right, exactly. Because they're a respectable business. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That being said, though, I mean, I do like it when people say what their budget is, even if that's very low. If your budget's oh, 50 bucks, best. tell me it's 50 bucks, and I will, if nothing else, I'll tell you what I can do for that. Oh, uh, exactly. I think that's a great point in the opposite reverse end, too, when you're figuring out price points to figure out what the budget is Mm -hmm. in the very beginning of your conversations to even see if you're on the same page of what they're wanting and what you can do for that. Yeah. And also nothing halts the creative discussion more than being like, wait a minute, can we go back and talk about the thing nobody wants to talk about? Money. Exactly. I know. Because it's uncomfortable. Nobody wants to talk about it. So it's like, let's just get it out of the way in the beginning right away. I guess it'd be like the equivalent of going on a date and being like, let's get the kids discussion out of the way right out of the gate, even though this is our first date. Do you want kids? It's like... Save everyone's time. Exactly, right? Yeah. And obviously you'd never do that, but there is this side to it that's... I understand if people are a little hesitant, especially if they ask, what would the price for this sort of project be? I've had people ask that and I'm like, oh, it'd be somewhere between 500 and 750, depending on detail, but tell me a little bit more about the project, we can work it out and they'll send back. And I always encourage people, I'll be like, if that's not in your budget, just tell me what the budget is. I'll be honest if I can't do it. And you know, if they say their budget is $150 and guess what? They're just trying to start a business and they need a logo and they don't have money coming in or anything like that yet. I don't know. I'm probably going to do it. (laughs) Like, you know, I'm probably going to take the 150 bucks and make them something that they feel good about. And I don't think anybody should be faulted for that. To the appropriate scale too, I'd imagine. Right. Like they get what you give them kind of a thing. Right. Yeah. And I think reminding people of that is also, again, it's like a little uncomfortable sometimes, but there's a polite way to do it. Kind of the same thing with people who try to overhaul a project or who try to overly design things, even though they're not the designer pulling the the designer card call it it's not comfortable but there is a polite way to be like hey you reached out to hire me for a reason and that reason is visuals you hired me to make this look awesome 
So keep suggesting things, but I will tell you if this is a good or a bad idea visually. But also, if clients want to go through with it and be like, no, just do it anyway, sure. If you just want to see You're that it's paying, not going to look yeah. that good, then fine. Sometimes you got to throw your tail between your legs and just do it, right. and then it ends up not being a portfolio piece. Right? right. You leave with the check in your hand, everyone's happy. Right. I have an idea for you, Max, if people, they say that their budget's only $50, and they ask what you'll do for $50. Just message them back that you'll respond to their email for $50 and attach an invoice for $50 to the email. (laughs) I'll draw you a little little picture of myself at the bottom of the email for 50 bucks. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, really, I mean, like, I've never done something for 50 bucks, but I don't know, I guess the right thing, if somebody was really sweet about it, and if I had the free time, that's another thing that never comes into the discussion is actually, if I don't have something to work on that day, and it's going to take me one day for 50 bucks. Maybe. I mean, I might include a like, hey, please don't tell anybody I did this for 50 bucks. But if that situation <laughs> arose, I'd probably do it. I'm certainly not above $50, you know? It then. just depends. Like if they let you have total freedom and they're not going to be right. micromanaging, then maybe, yeah, it just depends on. That's the thing. Like in six months, you might be so busy that you would never take a job for $50. Right. So it yeah. kind of depends on where you are and how busy you are. Yeah, circumstance. I think that's another thing about being like upfront with people. It's uncomfortable to tell people, hey, I can do it for this much, but I'm going to need to just do the piece. So whatever, you know, whatever you want me to get in there, say it now, because I'm not going to be able to do revisions or anything like that. Right. And right. You, know, you better tell me everything. And if you do break and end up giving someone like a crazy deal like that, like a $50 deal, just make it apparent and clear what kind of deal they're getting. Mm -hmm. Yes. And how much it would normally be. And like, you're only getting this deal because you're a friend of mine. If this was anyone else, this would be what it would actually cost because you can accidentally hurt the entire industry. Right. If you're always doing things like that. By offering cheap work all the time. Right. And so keep that in mind. There's some responsibility that we all have to have there, even if we are taking the, the cheap work. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the part where a lot of communication comes in and just saying, hey, this isn't what you should expect to pay for this work. I'm doing this as a bit of a kindness because you seem like a nice person. I want to make your thing, which, you know, hopefully they don't just anticipate that'll be the situation. But I found that also the people who want the deal and aren't willing to pay anymore, they're probably just going to go message somebody else and go message somebody else. And like the people who yeah. contact you for a print and you're like, oh, it'll be $30. And they're like, what? I thought it was going to be like five bucks. Really? Did you, did you actually right. think that was going to be $5? Based off what? The price of the paper that I printed it on? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. That's tricky. Yeah. So what's your first pet peeve you have written down, Max? The first one kind of went off of what you were saying, but it expanded a little bit more into like the whole social media thing Mm -hmm. of, I don't know, just kind of the communication you get on there and the, I don't know, I have a lot of people reach out to me asking for prints of this piece or commissions for this and I like never hear back from any of them. I mean, it's very rare. I'll get like a message at 3 a.m. and it's like, oh, I love that Kawhi Leonard piece you did. Are you doing prints of that? And I'm like, absolutely. I do two sizes. What do you want? This much for each one, blah, blah, blah. Like I give them everything they need to just do it right then. And then it's just you never hear back from them. Or people who have this project idea in mind and then it's just, again, 
they go just totally MIA after the first email and you're like, ah, this was just like a late night thing and it kind of got my hopes up that there might be something cool happening. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's one of my bigger pet peeves of just kind of like when you're constantly hustling. Yeah, yeah, when you're constantly hustling and like getting your hopes up over every little email back or every little message to you it can just be a little exhausting yeah. to every day be like oh, for sure. like this looks like something nope it's not all right back to drawing my thing <laughs> it's a thick skin you have to develop it happens with bigger projects too all the time for me and clients would be hashing out the project and figuring things out and doing all the legwork of what it's going to be mm-hmm. before we actually get started and then it just kind of drifts away you know fizzles away you're trying not to count your eggs before they hatch, right? But you do, mm-hmm. and you imagine what you could do with that money now, and it's so frustrating. Right, super. And I think that happens to all artists, where they get messages from people all the time, and then nothing amounts from it. And mm-hmm. I hear you on that one for sure. It's unfortunate that people do that. Yeah. And- it's not the worst thing in the world. This is like the first thing that came to mind. It's more of like an actual pet peeve. It doesn't really frustrate me necessarily. It's just one of those gets me a little miffed for a second. I've had people, multiple people do this to me where I'll do a portrait of somebody and they'll message me, hey, how much for the original? They want the original piece. And then I'll tell them and they'll be like, I don't have that much money. Then I'll message them back. I'll do a print for you for a lot cheaper and I'll give them my print price. And then they'll be like, I don't have that much money. Hmm. I don't know how much they thought the original was going to be if they can't even afford a print. Yeah, it might be what we were saying before with like people, they just don't know how that relationship goes and they've never contacted an artist before. It might be that or it might be driven by this huge thing with drip paintings and stuff and people, they just fill a cup with a bunch of paint and then they have like a little swirl effect they do. I'm not sure if it's generated by that either because I know that's just all over the place and people are cranking out those works and they take, I don't want to say they take no time. I don't do those. I'm not trying to put anybody down who does those. But you know, they sell tons of them at once. So I'm not sure if they are selling these original paintings for 50 bucks a pop. I don't know, I did like 10 today. (laughs) If I can make 500 bucks right now, then yeah. Yeah. So I don't really know what it's generated by. But I definitely see a lot of that of just no expectation for what you're going to pay for an original piece of work. That is definitely one of mine. Joe, do you have one? Yeah, I have some that kind of tie in with these that we've been talking about. I've had people get mad at me when I don't do a project for free or for the peanuts that they're (laughs) offering. Right. Yeah, I think we've all had that happen. Or like someone being like, can you do a few illustrations for me? I'm able to scrounge together 200 bucks. I'm like, yeah, I might be able to do a few. Let me know what the list is. Then getting a list of 40 illustrations that they want. Mm -hmm. That's not a few. That's going to take 60 hours. What would you do for 60 hours of work? Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. You wouldn't do it for 200 bucks. It's not even minimum wage. Right. Yeah, no, I know. A couple dollars an hour. Yeah. I've had people get mad at me for not doing their suggestion of a piece, even for like my own series. I do those NBA nicknames, the handles series I have. I've had people contact me being like, I love these. Can I get one? Oh, yeah, totally. Just tell me which one you want. These are the sizes, blah, blah. And then they'll contact me. No, no, no. I like this player. Okay, but that player doesn't have a nickname or they have a nickname, but I can't riff on it. It just is their name. It's just like a shortened version of their name. And they're like, oh, geez. Well, that's not really my fault. (laughs) Like, well, that's not something I can do. Or they're just not a player that I would think to do for the series. They're not like a popular player. They're not top 10 player in the league right now. Just weird things like that where people get seemingly ticked off because you don't take their suggestion. Right. It's not personal. I would take it if it was a good idea. (laughs) 
or if it was a commission and they were willing to pay you a good amount of money, you'll obviously do it for money. But if it's just a suggestion, why would you take it unless it was something you really wanted to do? Right, right? exactly. That happens to me too, because I do portraits. People are like, Mm -hmm. do Kurt Cobain or do, you know, and I always message them if they say things like that. I'll do commissions if you want, but I only do personal portraits of people I like Mm -hmm. or I want to do. And so just because you like someone doesn't mean I like. Right. Yeah, you might do Kurt in the future. Right. But I'm going to do it on my own time. And then maybe you can luck out and get a print. Right. Right. That's the thing. Like, if you want a commission, I'm happy to do it. But uh, yeah, it happens all the time. Yeah. I think also, yeah, with the you mentioned earlier, your originals and trying to sell those. I do have quite a few people who will contact me hey, I want to buy your original of this. And I'm like, no, it's digital. It's a mix of a bunch of traditionally scanned textures and digital stuff. And then they get mad. (laughs) I'm like, well, what? (laughs) You know, it's like going into a gallery and looking at a painting and saying, I want this sculpture. And them saying, that's not a sculpture. And you being like, (laughs) why I ought to get out of here? Well, it's just not that. (laughs) That's when you just print out a piece, write original on it. (laughs) Right. It's the first one. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is I'm always, you can have the first, I will mark it one of a hundred for sure. I'll sign it, whatever. But the original just doesn't exist unless you want me to sell you my iPad, which I don't want (laughs) to do unless it's for more than the cost of a new iPad. (laughs) You could send them the Procreate file with all the layers. Right. 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 Maybe that's what they want. Maybe. That'd be so funny. Yeah. And then they can do what they want with it. Right. People will often ask questions that either the answer is very obviously on my website or in my bio. For instance, I posted last week, I had a YouTube live and I posted YouTube live today at noon. It was in the photo. And then in the description for the caption, I put YouTube live today at noon. And then I swear one of the comments was, hey, what, what time, time is it, it at? <laughs> yeah. It was in the photo and the caption. That's just an example. It happens all the time where people ask questions that are easily found in the post or on my website. Do you ever think people are just messing with you? Sometimes, on but purpose? there's definitely people that are not. And it's hard to tell who is and who isn't. Mm-hmm. And I used to answer almost everyone, and now I don't. If it's an obvious answer, I sometimes don't. And I've noticed if I don't, sometimes other people will answer the question for me and say, it says it's at noon, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I've run into this problem and I've misjudged the situation grossly where it just wasn't a native English speaker and they were from another country in a different time zone. And so, oh, I was stupid for not putting the time zone Mm -hmm. in like EDT. I did have this time zone in this one, but I know what you mean. It definitely could be on you. Right. Yeah, I'm trying to play devil's advocate here. And that happens too. And so that's why I want to make sure that I'm trying to be positive as possible. But it's just... Today at noon Eastern, it says it right in the photo. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to make sure that I did write <laughs> Eastern after you said that. Yeah, I don't think I've had too much of that. I've had people make weird suggestions or comment things that I'm like, why did you go through the time to tell me that? I've definitely had people just comment, I don't think this is funny. Yeah, and you know, it's not, <laughs> oh, it's a political piece and they disagree with me. It always happens on just goofy little nothing pieces where people are like, I don't find this very funny. Okay. Bye. (laughs) You'll probably only get that pushback when it is political pieces, because I feel like in general, social media, Mm -hmm. it tends to be a lot more positive than anything. It's almost frustrating. Yeah, it almost always is. But it's just always jarring when you get that one where you're like, oh, I got a comment. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Wish you liked it. (laughs) Yeah, you're like, all right, I hope it didn't upset you. But besides that, sometimes you don't like things. I don't know what to tell you. 
Yeah, I don't like everything, but I don't really get mad about it either. Instagram is definitely a lot more positive. If you get on other platforms, Twitter or TikTok, they definitely skew more towards people being negative. But Instagram is as a good platform for people to be generally positive. Right. And like you said, sometimes it's overly positive and it can be a little annoying too. Yeah, I like the ones that are kind of positive, but kind of neutral. Like I got one the other day, somebody commented on my post, they just went, pretty good no punctuation i was like i appreciate that it wasn't <laughs> negative but i was also like, i don't know if that's how you really feel i think you don't even really necessarily need to waste the double tap to like it i'm not too worried about that it was just like a funny thing to hear i was like, oh okay sounds like it didn't really have any impact on you right. <laughs> no big deal <laughs> right just enough, enough of an impact to comment right exactly in hopes that but then again i mean him. it's it's all typed out again you don't like know any of these people so who knows maybe he thought that or he or she thought that was like a this is pretty good yeah wow this is pretty good all right well pretty good i don't know pretty good i don't know it's not as good it's as the last good. thing on my feed <laughs> and i'm like i don't know what that is the best negative comment i got was on my tiger king mm-hmm. i haven't seen the show but i did a portrait of that guy and 10 minutes after I posted it, I got a comment and it said, this looks like you just ripped off that artist that did the Tyler, the creator, Igor cover. And like, he got tons of messages underneath. Like, this is the artist that did it, you idiot. <laughs> That's pretty funny. He ended up deleting the comment because he felt really stupid after, but it was pretty funny. <laughs> right. That's pretty <laughs> like, funny. I'm ripping off myself, I guess. That's pretty hilarious. Oh, I had somebody great. at one point, it had nothing to do with the piece. They just messaged me, do you know who Shepard Fairey is? <laughs> I was like... Yes, I do. <laughs> That's like how I responded to it. Yeah, I do. What? And then they just never responded back. All right. Do you just want to let me know <laughs> that Shepard varies? That's person? random. Yeah, it was very weird because yeah. I was like, huh, my work doesn't really look like Shepard Fairies. But I was also no. like, I wish I knew what the draw to it was, what connection they were making, because I was hoping they would respond and be like, well, because I was thinking, blah, blah, blah. And then I just never heard back. And I was like, huh, what was that? <laughs> that's random yeah it's kind of funny though he's kind of well known for that copyright infringement suit so i would right. feel like they were maybe accusing me of copyright infringement or something if <laughs> right. they said that i don't yeah. know that's strange right he's also known for like riffing off of they live i don't know a lot of my work has to do with like 80s horror stuff but this piece didn't it had nothing to do with that but you never know maybe they just were making some weird draw yeah they comment in code mm-hmm. you're gonna try to decipher it yeah so while we're on the topic of social media i guess like a lot of my pet peeves have to do with social media but one Mm -hmm. of the biggest ones and this is something that i obviously shouldn't like get to me but it's hard not to with personal work especially you make this piece and you think it's amazing and you're really psyched about it you can't wait to see what people think about it with my work a lot of the time i'll think it's really funny i'm not shy about that i i do i do laugh at some of my work while i'm making it as embarrassing as that can be Yeah, but then I'll like put certain things out and I'll wait for the exact time where I know most of my followers are online. I try not to do anything like arbitrary. You know, I've got the hashtags I want to use, all this stuff, write what I think is a good comment, everything. And then it reaches 200 people and only like 50 people like it or something like that. Or even worse, I get 150 likes, but it's only reached 200 people. And I'm like, why? aren't people seeing this it's doing well and nobody can see it and then i'll post another piece that's you know i i never do work really that i'm ashamed of or anything by any means but there'll be a piece where i'm like yes i kind of like this but it's not as deep of a concept i don't think it's as cool as the last piece i did and then suddenly that will be like oh man instagram wants to show this to everybody 
people yeah. are commenting on it, right. sharing it, this and that. I'm like, where was this when I like created something I actually thought was important and cool? And I had really had something to say as opposed to like this one, I just drew a flower because I don't know, I woke up today and I just wanted to draw something. I think that's a big, a big pet peeve for right. me is just trying to keep that all in check and be like, not take it too much to heart, but just also leave it behind and be like, well, I'm not going to try to repost that piece just because I thought it should have done better or anything like that. But yeah, I don't know if you guys run into that too. Just the weird influence of yeah. all the time. All the time. I feel like I get more traction on my process photos mm -hmm. than I do my final piece. Right. And that's sometimes. Yeah, it's so true. But I know I run into that too, where we get things that get so much less traction and you don't know why, like if it's the time of day mm -hmm. or... I hear so many artists complaining about that, though. So it's definitely something with the algorithm and who they show it to. I don't know how they decide how many people they're going to show it to. Or yeah. I know they generally tend to show it to the people that engage with your posts the most first. Yeah, and then if it catches with them, yeah. then it goes from there. Yeah, I mean, I'm by no means an expert on the algorithm or anything like that. And I don't think anybody really is because they don't really tell you about it. You just guess. But... From what I've read, I guess the newer algorithm that they've got in place is based off of saving the photo and sharing it. So if people are sending it to people that they know or oh. like reposting it in their story or something like that, and if they're saving it for later to see, I guess those are the most important things for them now and they really don't prioritize likes. So if likes are the least important thing, then comments are more important, and then saving and sending things. I think so much of that is just, okay, well, so if the first couple of people didn't really like it, or just didn't share it, then it just doesn't do well. Yeah, It's hard to say it's unfair, because there are so many people on there, there are so many people posting things, and everybody thinks their stuff deserves the prime real estate on a feed. It's hard to say it's unfair. I don't think it's either fair or unfair. It's it's an algorithm, you know. It's not aimed yeah, at screwing anybody over or, or necessarily boosting people because it's, oh, you try so hard. You deserve more likes. <laughs> Here you go. That's not the way it works. No. Yeah. And I think they're also trying to get people to pay for ads and stuff. So that's why they're showing it to fewer people now than they used to. For sure. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I think sometimes with my work, they're showing it to fewer people. And then, as I said, sometimes I will have these posts. One of my favorite ideas, least favorite execution, I just didn't even want to post this one piece. It was of somebody with pencils for fingers, and they were like using a nail file to sharpen their pencil fingers. I don't know. It was, it was kind of stupid. And then I drew it, and I did not like the way it turned out, really. And I wasn't going to post it. And I asked my fiance, like, should I post it? And she was like, yeah, it's funny. You should post it up. And then it ended up getting like 10 times as many likes as I've ever gotten on something before. And it was shown to 20, 30,000 people. And I was just like, because I didn't love the piece that much, I wasn't even that selective with hashtags and this and that. I was just kind of like, yeah, it's a funny drawing, I thought. What do you guys think? And then suddenly it like blew up. The next day I was like, oh, cool, I've got this great piece I was working on. I'll use that traction to like build it up. And then the next thing yeah. fell on its face and... It's, it's funny. Yeah, love it. You're not as good as your last post. Right. I think it's easy yeah. to get in that mindset. Your likes determine whether the piece was good or not. And that's No, it's definitely not. But it's also one of those need. things that as somebody who's trying to sell prints and try to, you know, especially like getting different series going and trying to establish your markets a little bit more so that the next time you put out a print in this series, like Lewis with your portraits and stuff, 
the more likely it's going to get in front of people who want to buy it and you can generate your revenue right. and keep feeding into your business as opposed to like sometimes you throw that up there and you're like, ah, well, nobody saw it so nobody can buy it even if they wanted it. Yeah, I think it's something you shouldn't take to heart too much, but it's also in the modern age a big part of running a business from your house. You don't have a storefront to drop people in. I will say this is a great reason to make it so that when people click onto your website, there's like a pop-up that asks them to join your newsletter or something, mm -hmm. because the more people you get to join, if you have an email newsletter, then you're guaranteed if you want to get something in front of people's eyes, mm -hmm. you can send out an email to them and they're going to get it. Whereas social media, you just never know who's going to see it and who isn't. Right. Whereas when you send an email, you're more likely to get it in front of the people you want to see it. And so I always tell people, like, try to build an email list. That's why I have it. So when you go to my website, it's like the first thing you basically see is the email newsletter pop up. Right. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, That's a absolutely. Great idea. I don't do that. Yeah, I feel like my email relationship is mostly to specific art directors and creative directors. Yeah, I really don't do too much audience interaction with email. And I really should. Well, I used to do one every six months, but now I'm trying to do them every 30 days or 60 days. That's like a balance. You don't want to annoy people so much with newsletters that they unsubscribe, mm -hmm. but you also want to make sure you keep it. You want your work to be fresh in their mind. This this balance that you want to. Mm -hmm. I've joined newsletters before. I'm sure we all have. And then every three days you're getting an email and you're like, unsubscribe. I can't deal with that. Right. So you don't want to be that person. Yeah. All right. I have a pet peeve. Yeah. The next pet peeve is just a word that I hate. I hate when people say artsy. I don't know why. Oh, yeah. I just hate it. See, I hate it unless they throw fartsy in at the end. And then I like it again. And then I like oh, it. Because there's it a worse. sense of, mid, you know, like Midwest <laughs> irony there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yes the artsy oh, thing no. is, i think that kind of feeds into another pet peeve that i had written down too and maybe this is the same way for you i feel like the artsy thing gets to me the biggest thing for me is people putting creativity on a pedestal or like on its own island like the whole oh, i wish i was creative making it seem like right, it's this like, whole well you were born with it and you have it no right, it's a muscle right it's something you need to flex and you need to exercise. Exactly. If you're coming up with ideas every day and you're used to generating ideas and writing them down and constantly demanding that of that part of your brain, you're going to, I mean, hopefully reach a point where you can't stop it. And you're like, okay, cool. Ideas are coming to me now without me having to sit down, do a word map, go through the whole gambit of things to make sure you have a solid composition. Because I don't know if you guys went through this in school and stuff. But I definitely did where there was a while where I would just sit there and wait for ideas in a way. I mean, it's not like I was necessarily waiting, but I would like try to come up with an idea, which is just endlessly infuriating until you realize, oh, no, there is within each person like a science to it in a way, a way that you come up with ideas. Yeah. And do you do visual comparison? Do you do words? Do you work off of going for a walk and seeing stuff, taking stuff in and then processing right. it and spitting it back out? But yeah, I've noticed a lot of people just kind of face it from that realm of like, oh, I wish I was artsy. Then I could, you know, then I could just draw all day. Yeah, it's not really what it is. I wasn't good at drawing right. when I was a kid. Yeah. I can't even draw a stick right. figure. It just minimizes all the work that Stupid. we put in right. to get to where we are. Oh, you just can draw. No, anybody could get to this level if they put enough time into it. Right. I mean, there are definitely people that are naturally a little bit better than others. But honestly, if you put time into anything, you're going to improve and get to a point where, you know, you're comfortable and you can draw more than just a stick figure. Right. But it's the same thing with people who say, oh, I wish I was good at math. Nobody is coming out the womb 
oh, the cosine is blank. You work at it and you build a vocabulary, you build a codex for it, and you put the work in, or you don't. I'm not good at math because I didn't put the work in and I didn't really have interest in it. But the opposite of that would be I started creating things at a very young age and just wanted to do that. Once I started making things, that's all I wanted to do. First things I ever made were when I was really, really young. And I would just sew these little fish out of felt and I would stuff cotton balls in them and make little pillows for people that looked like fish. (laughs) And they were weird, horrendous and kind of deformed and stuff. But that's like an example of like, okay, well, if you started doing things like that and just trying to figure stuff out and look around your house when you were five years old and be like, okay, well, I've seen my mom sew things. I'm going to try to figure that out. And then you like make something for your mom's birthday or something like that. It does take that drive of trying to figure it out because it's not as much of a roadmap. I was just saying math or something where first you take algebra, then you take this, then you take, you know, and you work your way through. It's more of a first you start making stuff and then you don't stop. That's it. (laughs) That's the end. This kind of falls Mm -hmm. in the same line of excuses. I remember in art school. Oh, let's go into that because that's definitely a few of all of ours. Yeah, it's like, oh, uh, you'll always hear someone, if not everybody, talking about their excuses Mm -hmm. for the piece that they have on the wall or why they did something. Or, oh, I I worked on it all night. It's like, well, you had two weeks. Yeah, excuses Mm -hmm. in general, especially during fatigue. But you do like when people say, I meant to do that when you're like, the value's off here or, you know, whatever. And it's always, that was what I was going for, which is such a cop-out. But it's so much about the way you say it and the terminology you use. If you say something like, but that's what I was trying to do, then it comes off kind of like, okay, but then you're not acknowledging that that person is clearly putting that out there as a problem. It's not like they're saying, you know what's interesting? I can kind of see a face back here. And you're being like, yeah, I did that on purpose. And it's cool. You can say, well, that was purposeful, actually. Inviting it to, is it not working? Should I not try to do that again? I've also noticed one thing that people very rarely do is put up multiple versions of something in critiques. And that's something I've never really understood, Yeah. especially if you're going into the crit, kind of making excuses for your work, then where are the other things you tried and the other versions? I know that doesn't work with all mediums. If you're doing a watercolor or something like that, you only have time for one piece. But especially digital artists, it's just save as, just keep fiddling with those colors. I always like to budget a good two or three hours at the end of every piece where I consider a piece done, and then I keep doing things, regardless of whether I want to change the piece. Because half the time I end up with something that I'm like, whoa, this is cool. I really like this. And then I reverse engineer what I did, because at that point I'm just playing. I have something, I'm good to go. I just want to see if I can elevate it further. And that's one thing I never really see in those crits and stuff is that lust to take something further and to see your work and be like, yes, this is exactly what I wanted, but let's see. Let's see if there's something better than what I wanted, something better than what I saw. I think there's also room for excuses in the right way. I hate to say excuses because I guess in the right way, they're not excuses. They're advocating for yourself because there's also nothing wrong with sticking up for yourself and saying, actually, I thought it was working and I still think it's working. This part of the piece that everybody's disagreeing with. Stick to your guns, sure. As I was saying before, like, you take advice, but don't be too pig-headed about it. You can stick to your guns and still think you're right, but hear people out. Keep it in the back of your mind for the next time you're making a piece. You might see things differently. Yeah, but if it right. was a crit setting, I'd recommend just keeping right. that to yourself and just not changing the thing 
Like you don't have to yeah, change absolutely. everything that was. And it also depends. Is it one person in the crit that's saying it? Or is it like a consensus? Pretty much everyone's saying it. Then maybe you might want to change it because it's obviously an issue. Mm-hmm. Who hasn't gone through a crit and found out that you get all these different points of view that kind of contradict mm-hmm. each other. And then you don't even know what to do because some people love it and some people don't. And some people think you should do this. And then other people think you should go in the other direction. You know, you can't possibly do all the things that people say right. in a crit. So you have to kind of pick and choose. Yeah, I like to think that crits like that aren't even necessarily obviously the work that is being critiqued is the piece you have up on the wall but what the critique is about is not that piece it's about your work from here on out i think having differing points of view and different parts that people have a problem with or people think are really working i think that's just as beneficial moving forward as having a direct answer of this is what you should change everybody say i you know and everybody votes on it and you know what to do it's still just taking in information and moving on to the next piece. Right. Because if it's in a school setting or a you know crit setting like that, and it's not for a client, you just take it with a grain of salt and try to move forward from there and right. use it as a stepping stone, I suppose. Yep. But yeah. Next pet peeve. Does anybody have one? I'm trying to look at my you list You were here. saying the whole like artsy thing gets to you. A little bit of an offshoot of that. It gets to me now. It always has. Is the never-ending question of like, what is art? Or like, this isn't, this is or this is a cheaper version of it because of A, B, and C. I know I was saying before, you know, people have gotten mad at me for not having originals or something like that. And some of those people have been like, oh, I thought you were an artist. <laughs> and I'm like, cool. <laughs> That's, that feels good. Yeah, I thought I was too until you said that, <laughs> you know. But it's that whole, like, there's a definition for it, I suppose. If you're making distinctions between art and design, there are certain things you can say there But I just think no one is qualified to make the call of, is this or is this not art? I don't know, did you invent art? (laughs) Unfortunately, people have been doing that forever. And I think what goes along with what you're talking about is just the fact some artists look down on other types of art, like illustration. Mm -hmm. They look down on that. And now we have traditional artists that look down on digital art as not as Mm -hmm. good or not as real or whatever. So that's been happening for a long time. And it's definitely a pet peeve of mine, too. I just don't like that judgmentalness. Right. Aren't we all guilty of that, though? We're all guilty of judging art in a way where we think that could not be art or that is mm-hmm. art, right? I know I am. I could look at something and yeah. sometimes... I guess I see what you're saying, and it. we all judge art. Obviously, music is art, movies are art, and we like some movies, and we think some are terrible. But I wouldn't say, if I don't like a movie, it's not even a movie. Right, that's the point. Just I don't yeah. like, that's what some people do with art. It's not even art. Yeah, that's more the point I'm trying that's to what I yeah, get through. Is like, you can like or dislike anything. I would never judge that. But don't tell somebody it's not something. It's like, it's not a concrete thing where it's, hey, look at that artwork. That's not an artwork. That's a deer. That's something you can say. Whereas art, the most broad right. thing that you can talk about, it can't really be spoken about in those terms where you can say, well, that is not art. Like, well, I don't know. <laughs> so it's more the terms of right. do you like the art right. versus not yeah. like and, the art. And as far as what I was saying about art. like people finding out that my work is not traditional. Okay, so you were interested in buying the original piece. You liked it that much. And then when you found out it wasn't traditional, not only do you not like it, it's not art. <laughs> it's like, wow, that is a right. jump. <laughs> well, because right. I think some people also think well, the computers make it. Yeah, I, I set my iPad to oh, well, create something for it. me. You guys know that button? The create button? Yeah. yeah typing. It's just, yeah, right. it's the draw me something good <laughs> so I can show everybody on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, you got to get the new model of the iPad. That's, that's where they've got it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, it costs yeah, but a no lot originals. More. 
But oh, it's well. worth it. I don't know. I think, yeah, that, that's always just been a pet peeve of mine. I think it's mostly because going to art school, it is one of those things of hearing a bunch of 20-year-olds very staunchly in a lecture be like, that's not art. That's not painting. Okay, just because Greenberg said a bunch of times, this is painting and this isn't painting, he also wasn't qualified to make that call. And he was an expert. But when you're reading his essays and stuff, you hear a bunch of great points. And then the second he says that something is or isn't painting, you're just like, okay, well, your argument seems invalid now. It seems like you don't understand what you're talking about, because you just tried to tell me that this canvas that has paint on it is not a painting. All right, great. <laughs> cool. I yeah. don't know. Like I was talking about those drip paintings and stuff before. Am I a huge fan of those? No, not really. I don't. They're not really for me. Are they not paintings? Nope. <laughs> they are paintings. They're definitely paintings. Do you ever get people asking you, yeah. you make money doing that? When you tell oh, them you're an artist? like I you actually, Right. You yeah, make money I've, I've definitely had people ask that. I've had other people catch up with me after like, you know, years of not talking. Be like, what have you been doing? Oh, I'm like a freelance illustrator. And they'll be like, oh, are you sure you can make money that way? What do you mean? Are you sure? I, I, like, well... No, actually, I can't. But, you know, I'm getting evicted tomorrow and I really hope the next thing works out. It's, no, it like, seems like a weird question to ask in that way. Are you sure? Yeah, I am. Thanks for asking, though. I had someone ask me straight out what I made as an artist. How do they not you know You should have responded, art. Question to ask? Yeah, what do you make? What do you make? Like, art. <laughs> kind of going along with what you were talking about with people like looking down on art and things. I don't like when people want to know what the meaning is behind my art or the decisions I made. If I say, you know, like it was just an aesthetic decision or whatever. I don't know. Some people think that all art has to have some deep meaning. And if it doesn't, then it's not real art. Mm -hmm. Right. And so there's so much art that doesn't have deep meaning. And I don't know. I don't see their point. So what? It doesn't have a meaning behind mm -hmm. it. And maybe I just like to draw and let the viewer take whatever they want from it. You know, well, I think that's what I hated about art history is that we assumed mm -hmm. meaning behind a lot of these images that we're seeing, but they could vary of well mm -hmm. just been of created course. to just create because we're mm -hmm. always in that boat it's like oh i just wanted to make that thing yeah and it happened to be a good thing and now all these people are assuming that it has this deep meaning i feel like it. people like, make okay, you feel like just having made the decision just because it's an aesthetic choice that's not legit reason mm -hmm. when we do our right. critique and we talked about other paintings in art history classes they always made you come up with other reasons why you like this what does it mean and i hate that they're digging into these paintings and trying to decipher meanings. And who knows what the original reason that the artist made those decisions could totally be something totally different than what we're mm -hmm. coming up with. Right. We can make yeah. up reasons for you. Yeah. It's like we've just and made up just reasons. Yes, and your way through everything. At. I don't know. I think I totally get the side of this yeah. that's a pet peeve where people look down on work that isn't high concept or high art or something like that. I definitely would say that's a pet peeve. I don't know. I, I think people asking that. It doesn't really bother me because I ask myself that too. Sometimes I'm drawing things and I'm like, I like just drawing a Walkman or something mechanical. I love drawing mechanical things just from observation. But I also love to put tons of concept in things and really flesh out ideas. And I guess if people are asking me like, oh, what does this drawing of this lamp mean? It's, I just wanted to draw like a weird bendy cool lamp from the 60s. I looked at it and I thought it was really cool. I like interior design. If they get mad about that, yeah, I could see how that would be annoying. But it's also like, I don't mind right. people asking because people look for meaning in things. People always inject themselves into it as well. And I do the same thing. Definitely like overanalyze films and stuff like that a lot of the time. I've taken like a bunch of classes in that. 
too and it's like a hobby but sometimes you'll hide meaning right the mm-hmm. easter eggs in film yeah i was taking like this class on stanley piece. kubrick at one point at usm it was like an amazing class too so we went through like all of his films and spent like two weeks analyzing each one of them it was absolutely amazing he's by far my favorite director but yeah it was one of those things where we were reading so far into all of his work that at a certain point the professor had to cut it off and he's written books about Stanley Kubrick. He had to cut it off at a certain point and be like, by the way, you guys know that I don't know any of this. Right. This is an analysis. This is hunting for things. And he was like, there are certain things that you can be like, listen, there's almost no way that he did this and he didn't intend you to see this allegory or something like that. He may have made some certain assumptions and like just kind of put things in because it's like, oh, this looked really cool. Oh, this did this. Or you could be, why was Barry Lyndon filmed with only candlelight? Oh, we could probably think about that for forever. But probably it's because it looked really cool and it was a period piece. Every shot is based off of famous paintings and things like that. And the painters were probably painting by candlelight because they didn't have electricity. It's like there might be really obvious answers, but that doesn't mean that they aren't worth thinking about and worth analyzing. Just because it's, I don't know, it's fun to analyze things. I don't think people should get too serious about it. Talking about Greenberg before. Somebody who gets angry and possessive of what art is, is not somebody that you should be listening to with art, but somebody who's analyzing things because they like it and they're interested. I just meant people that make you feel like when you say it was just an aesthetic choice, that's not a legit choice. That's not a legit reason to do something. Mm -hmm. Obviously, if you want to analyze work, go for it. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if an artist tells you that they literally did it just because they liked the way it looked, then that was their reason. And that's the end of it. And you can take meaning from it if you want, but... That doesn't mean that's not a legit yeah, reason. That's totally. what I meant. One pet peeve that I guess it's less of a pet peeve of mine now, but would be maybe useful for people coming out of art school, especially when you reach a certain point. I think there's a tipping point for everybody where you feel like you've come so far and you look at the work you were doing before and you're like, OK, I understand that I thought I was big stuff before. Now I can understand that now my work is up to par. Now I can see how I'm on par with the other illustrators in my field and you feel like you've made it and you should be getting the work and almost like you deserve it because you put the hours in i guess this is where the pet peeve comes in where you'll hear from other people you should be getting tons of work you contact other illustrators or art directors and essentially their advice is wow this is really high caliber work i really love the stuff you're doing and i'm not saying that it's a pet peeve you're thinking to the art director then hire me because it's like well maybe you don't have a project for me right now But the pet peeve comes in with you being like, okay, but if that was true, I'd be getting work. If I should be, and in the eyes of a professional, there's no reason I shouldn't be. That's incredibly frustrating to hear because it almost makes it sound like it's, well, you're doing everything in your power. Congratulations. But it's still not happening. So shrug. Maybe it just means you're doing something else wrong. Right. Right. Maybe you're just advertising yourself wrong. At least you have this piece of the puzzle squared away enough where you should be getting Exactly. I think it's it's just put out there sometimes, almost like a brush off of, oh, come on, you're getting work. Don't be dramatic about it. And you're like, no, straight up, I'm not. (laughs) Right. Because there were years like that. It's sometimes hard because people do assume that and then they assume that you don't need the Mm -hmm. help and they don't need their patronage to buy a print. That's a good point. Yeah, I think it's just one of those things of early on getting out of school that was like a big thing of contacting people and essentially that being the long and short answer of it is, this is great. (laughs) And you're like, "Eh, okay, thank you. It's certainly a nice thing to hear. You're just kind of like, I wish 
that you were like, this is great. What you should do is, or like, this is great. I don't know why you're not getting work. My sympathies. <laughs> See you later. You know, which would be fine. I think it's just a lot of the time brushed off a little bit more as, yeah, yeah, you're doing high caliber work. Great. It's like, okay, cool. But again, that's why you should really value the people who do get back to you, as I was saying, sending emails just to illustrators, asking for advice very humbly and just saying like, hey, I had a lot of great technical training in school, but a lot of those people started their career in a whole different decade, whole different period of time. Right. We were all taught by professional illustrators who make a great living at it at the same school and they continue to make a great living, but they're not starting so if they've got certain opinions about focusing on your following on Instagram or things like that, it's just not connecting in the same way. Just let your work speak for itself. The work will come to you. And it's like, not really. No, not, not anymore. Yeah, things just aren't. Yeah. The same. And there are just so many people yeah. right now and so many people doing it. I mean, I'm always on the hunt for people who are doing stuff closer to what I'm doing because I think it'll help me suss out some more clients and things like that. But I just see certain styles. I just don't know how people are getting work in it because I just see hundreds and hundreds of illustrators pop up in my feed every day. And it's, oh man, I thought this was this person's work and I thought this was this person's work. And yet they're getting a bunch of work. To a certain extent, I don't think the originality is always the piece of the puzzle. And I don't think the quality is necessarily either. I think you have to be of a certain quality. But a lot of the time, it's just like, are you in front of this person? Or are you getting seen? Yeah. We've talked about this, Joe and I, exactly. before. How many artists have you seen on social media that you love? Their work's amazing, and they have a few hundred followers. And then you see, like, I see tons of people on TikTok that are 19, 20, maybe even younger, and they do okay mm-hmm. art, and they've got half a million followers, 1.5 million followers, and it's because they're so good at social mm-hmm. media. And so quality isn't enough. Just having great work is not enough. You have to be great at marketing. You have to be great at being creative and initiating work. Right. So unfortunately, there's so much more to the puzzle than just being a good artist. Mm-hmm. Some people haven't quite figured the business side of it out yet and the marketing right. side. It's just something that Joe and I have talked about. Yeah, for sure. but part of that is also circumstance, obviously. My like obsession as of the past year has been to try to get a gig with the New York Times Kids Edition, which is my favorite thing. I mean, they're so cool. I don't know if you guys have checked those out, but they do this. I haven't. It's not exactly monthly. I don't know what the exact schedule of it is, but essentially they do a Sunday edition of the paper that's just for children and it's they just hire illustrators and basically give them free reign of whole pages and it's just the coolest stuff and it doesn't treat kids with too like kitty of gloves you know like their halloween edition of it was gnarly very cool very like gnarly weird stuff and not too cautious about things not too cutesy and yeah they do all these things and they'll put recipes for kids at home during Halloween and like how to make these cookies or there's that. Do they do news? Yeah, yeah, they do stuff like that too. And yeah, they report on things in a way that children can read them as well. And it's so well designed that it's perfect for adults too. So that's my obsession is to try to get into this because I very much see this as the perfect vessel for the voice that I'm putting out there. And it's run by phenomenal, phenomenal art directors. But Part of the thing is, you know, I'll contact the people who do get into it. And sometimes it's people who make perfect sense, who are very famous, accomplished illustrators. And of course, you got called on for this. Good for you. That's great. And other people, I'll look them up and be like, oh, interesting. You've got like 200 followers and only five pieces. There was this one guy I contacted who got like the cover a while ago. And it was this phenomenal cover. He did such a good job. I wish I could remember his name right now. And I asked him, 
how'd you get this gig? You know, you don't have to tell me names or anything like that. Nothing you're uncomfortable with. I was just wondering, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. And essentially his answer was, I didn't even know it was a thing. They reached out to me and they were like, hey, do you want to do this? I have sent so many emails, so many postcards. I've been keeping up with these art directors on Instagram, on Twitter, everything, trying to put myself in front of them. And I don't mean to have that sound like I deserve it more than he does. He did a phenomenal job. I'm glad he got the gig. But it's just one of those things of, oh, how can I put so much effort into getting in front of you? And yet other people, it's just you just saw it suddenly and you were like, that's the person. You like send them a message. And the part of me is really glad it works that way because it seems so much more fair and so much more like, listen, I saw the work and I loved it. So I contacted them. I don't care how many followers they have. And the other side of it's like, oh. I just wish I could figure out if my postcards are hanging on their wall in the office or if it's or, just yeah, like, they're, eh, just they're not feeling it. I'll keep trying. Yeah, postcards are tough. You send out all these postcards to art directors and you just don't know. They could toss them. They could never even right. get their desk. And so that unknown is yeah. hard, especially when you're taking so much time and putting so much energy into it. Yeah, there's a special place in the ether that all my postcards are floating in right now. There's just under a thousand postcards floating someplace in an unknown dimension and they've never reached anybody. That's what I think happened. <laughs> I've sent out lots of postcards mm-hmm. and I don't even send them out anymore because I never got one job from sending postcards yeah. out. Do you know that for a fact? I know for a fact, yeah. Because I know all the editorial work I've done, which isn't a ton, and I know the jobs I've got, they always tell me. I always ask, how did mm-hmm. you find my work? And it's always social media. It's never postcards. Yeah. Ooh, Do you think they found your post- social media because well, they of would have the probably said the postcard then, wouldn't they have? I wouldn't remember the postcard. I don't know. I mean, it's a possibility, but I think it's highly unlikely. Yeah. No, I know it wasn't because all the people I sent postcards to, I didn't get work from them. It was people that reached out to me that I never even knew, like Hoe Luft magazine from mm-hmm. Germany. I never even heard of that magazine. It's like a philosophy right. magazine. So I know I didn't send them a postcard, you know, things like that. Yeah, you never know where your postcards are hanging up right now, though. You've sent stuff to the New Yorker. There could be your stuff up on the wall at the New Yorker that just stays up there month after month. They just haven't touched on it yet. And that's why I haven't gotten any gigs from postcards either. But I'll continue to send them just because it's hard to ignore them. I can write a note by hand so they can be positive. I didn't copy and paste something in an email. I don't know, it just sends the message a little bit better sometimes, I think. And just on the off chance that I do have these things hanging up, that eventually I'll send an email and they'll be like, wait a minute, that name sounds familiar. Hasn't this person tried to... That might be the extra kick that's needed just to be like, all right, fine, we'll give you a shot. That's all any of us want is the opportunity to fail or succeed in these gigs we want to get. Have you guys ever tried sending mailers that are not postcards, by the way? Zines or anything like that? That's something I've been trying to like yeah, get I into. Have. I sent out a small book before. It was a real small booklet, maybe like 10 pages. And I only had a few printed up because I wanted to make sure I targeted very specific people with them that I really wanted to work for. But I didn't send a ton of them out. I probably sent a dozen of them or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've sent physical portfolios. Mm-hmm. I've sent rag copies of the children's book I've done right. to different people just to give some examples. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. always tough because it is a lot more expensive to do that. The cost for acquisition, like you might as well put that money yeah. into Yeah, and that's kind of where I've been coming from with it, because I keep toying with the idea of putting together these zines or like take a whole series that I have and make a little compendium of it to send to people. But then at the same time, I'm like, okay, well, if I show you one of the series that I think is the strongest, and I say, if you want to see more from this series, blah, 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 on my website, is that just as good? Or is it the kind of thing where you're in a stack of postcards 
and they kind of flip through. And if yours doesn't stand out for whatever reason, you go in the trash versus here's a bubble mailer or here's a box that has this actual promotional item in it that's like, well, nobody's about to put that box in the trash without looking at it. And chances are, even yeah. if they don't love it, they're probably not going to put it in the trash because, I don't know, hopefully they're not a, like a heartless person and they look at your work and they're like, well, they tried. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what right. I want to do. You got to start yeah. sending yeah. edible That's the problem, though, when you're people. sending things that are bigger than postcards, <laughs> it just gets so expensive. Right. It's a risk that you're not going to get any work from a lot of money. Whereas Joe's saying to take that money and put it towards digital marketing, it might be your money better spent yeah. plus when you use social media type ads it's easy to click on the links that you're putting there mm -hmm. whereas with a postcard they have to actually like type in the thing you wrote i don't know just make it as easy as you can for people to see your work right. and i think you're more likely to get clicks yes yeah. it is funny to think about just because like i read so many interviews with art directors and things like that really anything i can get my hands on it's just so funny to hear all of their different preferred ways of seeing your work they all have a very different but very specific answer where it's like, oh, I hate getting postcards. If I get a postcard from you, I'm not going to hire you, blah, blah, blah. This is the way I want to see your work. And then other people are like, listen, if you send me an Instagram thing, I'm not going to hire you. I'm going to do And it's like, ah, oh, man, do I have to find an article that all of you guys wrote <laughs> so I can figure out which one I'm not supposed to send this or that to? Yeah. It's just, it's so funny because there are people who are like, oh, I don't really care. As long as the work's good, I'm going to try to get things through to you. But there's just so much preference out there. Oh, I don't look at the postcards. I get too many. They work for the New Yorker or something like that. I've heard those sorts of comments. Yeah. Trying to decipher what's the best way to reach these people can be a challenge. And like you're saying, if they all have different things that they, if someone likes postcards and then the next person hates postcards, like how do you even figure out who wants what? And it's almost impossible. Right. I think that's a good spot to end though. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today, Max. And yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Little vent session. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, thanks, Max. And Maxwell Irwin, which is spelled how for your website? It's actually just Max Irwin, M-A-X-E-R-W-I-N dot design. And then you can check me out on Instagram and Twitter at Max Irwin underscore illustration. Great. And we love to hear from everyone. If you have pet peeves that we didn't talk about, where can they get a hold of us, Joe? Yeah, shoot us an email at thumbnailpodcast at gmail.com. We'll also have links to all this stuff in the show notes. Perfect. And we have a promotional thing going on. Lewis and I, 25% off both of our Etsy shops with the code thumbnail. At checkout. At checkout, yeah. So check that out. Perfect. Thanks for joining us. Have a good one, guys. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Take care. Thank you.